Hey y'all, thank y'all so much for tuning into another episode of Take a Seat Podcast. I am your host, Sienna Hope, and today's episode will be about the power of saying no with the one and only Dr. Wida Parks. This is a very, very much needed conversation to have now more than ever before. And we are all learning about setting boundaries and meaning what we say and being intentional with our words. So we have Dr. Parks to tell us more about that and what the power of saying no means and what it should be. So thank you so much, Dr. Parks, for joining me. Thank you for having me, Hope. Or should I say Tiana? It doesn't matter. Okay, <laughs> Whatever okay. you call me, that's, that's who I am. <laughs> so for listeners, tell everyone who you are and what you do. I am a therapist, um, which is more of a common term used. Um, I'm also licensed as a professional counselor. Um, I currently operate in my own private practice, uh, Legacy Counseling Services, LLC. Um, Prior to that, I had probably done a lot of work in community mental health, um, intensive outpatient services, school-based programs, um, substance abuse. Um, so I've, I've been working in my practice now um, since 2016. Um, I just kind of started defining more of uh, different areas that I want to kind of um, specialize and work in. Um, so that was kind of like the start of uh, my practice. And primarily I see um, clients with various um, conditions, depression, anxiety, um, any stress-related issues, um, divorce, relationship problems, um, bipolar disorder. I mean, you name it, I probably have either worked with it Mm -hmm. or worked with someone um, who has experienced it. Um, So that's pretty much all in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. Um, Pretty much most therapists always, we primarily do individual group, individual sessions, um, group sessions, divorce issues, um, couples therapy, um, just a number of things, um, mostly what all therapists do. So I hope that's enough um, Mm -hmm. in a nutshell. (laughs) So, uh, generally speaking, why is it difficult for people to say no, including myself? Yeah, I can understand it. And I can relate to that also, Hope. Um, I think when I look just from professional um, experiences, along with some of personal experiences as well, including myself, um, sometimes we find it difficult to say no when we don't want to disappoint the other person. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes we also, um, find it hard to say no because we're people pleasers. Mm -hmm. Um, we tend to want to take on responsibilities, even though we probably, um, can't even, um, I guess, you know, we don't even have the room, I would say, to actually do it. So just from a personal um, and a professional standpoint, I've seen where people um, have difficulty saying no in those situations. Like, you know, they're afraid to disappoint someone. They kind of want to please others or even want to take a risk and actually get out there and do something that they probably have no experience, but they will accept um, the task. So um, that's kind of what I've been seeing. Um, in my practice as well as in my personal life. Okay. And um, 
how do we build that confidence to say no? Because like you mentioned, people pleasing, being a people pleaser, that's oftentimes normal, Mm -hmm. right? right? And, you know, you, you don't want to disappoint. You don't want to feel like the task at hand is overpowering Mm -hmm. your ability to do what needs to be done or you know you you put yourself second so how do we build that confidence to say no in the times where we really need to say no right so I definitely know that it's a communication issue um it's because we really hadn't been taught to just fully express ourselves. We mm. kind of been, we've always been taught to be obedient, you know, even mm. from uh, being a child, we have been taught to conform, to follow rules and to make people happy and make people smile. And I oftentimes think that may not be the best approach, even when raising children. Um, I look at it from various perspectives. Um, the word no is there to be used. Like it's, mm. it's a part of our vocabulary It's in the dictionary is there. We have to use it at some point. Um, I think um, oftentimes we have to really be comfortable with ourselves. A person who is able to actually say no and mean it, um, it shows a lot. It shows that they possibly know what they want. They know what they don't want to accept. Um, and they know their limits and their boundaries at those times. So I think to build that confidence in saying no is to kind of stop taking a sec- second seat. Like what you mentioned earlier, like putting ourselves second and other people first. I think sometimes we have to realize that it's okay to be priority. It's okay to be um, the first person. It's okay to kind of consider our feelings and our thoughts first because we don't do it enough. Um, So if a situation presents itself and it feels overwhelming or it just, you know, it feels that it doesn't sit right or, you know, by taking on this responsibility, it's going to cause more grief than anything, you know, evaluate that and stick with what you feel. Um, Even if you don't say no at that time, it's still practice to say it the next time because Mm. you're, you're considering it, you're thinking about it. So I think initially we have to start thinking about it before we can actually say no. We have to start kind of processing that, okay, if evaluating our situations, is it something I really want to do? Um, you know, what, what limitations, you know, do I have with this? How, um, overwhelming could this be? And I think first we have to start with questioning ourselves and asking ourselves those questions, you know, um, is this something I really want to do? You know, what would be the consequences when I say no? So just first start considering saying no, instead of, um, being rushed to say yes. And this is the only response that we're allowed to give. Wow. That was some really great advice and definitely some key points that you touched on with evaluating your reason instead of rushing to say yes. I love that because (laughs) there's been moments where I myself have just said, yes. Yeah. Like, you know, (laughs) without even thinking about, my reason of saying no when I really want to say no, but it's just like, yeah, you know, it, it whatever. Like yeah. it, it won't even hurt. It's, it's fine. But in reality, I'm just like, ah, oh, why Gosh, did I, like, why, why, why <laughs> yeah. did I just say that? So that is really important. And actually I had a moment maybe two months ago where an opportunity presented itself, but I thought on it, I evaluated my reasoning and I said, no. 
you know and for i know for that i was like when i tell you i was just like uh <laughs> like i was like wow that's what it feels like me and it, it feels really really good yeah. it's like i listened I really listened. And I'm glad you were able to experience that. And then your response was like, you know, gosh, I feel relief because a lot of people don't feel relieved, especially in the beginning processes of saying no. They go back and forth with themselves. Um, like, is the person mad or mm. gosh, you know, I should have go ahead. I wish should have gone ahead and um actually said yes or Mm -hmm. maybe calling the person back and forth trying to sense a vibe you know are they upset with me so I've seen some challenges you know when you initiate that or you say okay I'm going to say no this time so for you to you know feel relieved it just shows you know what you want to do you're kind of confident you know in your steps and your direction and does that um show (laughs) that does saying no show that you are you have a sense of decision making skills yeah I definitely yes yes and um it it definitely does and I know decision making um comes from various forms Mm -hmm. but it is very very important to know limits and to know boundaries and to know what you're capable of doing and that's very critical and crucial in making decisions um because a lot of decisions that we're faced with are very, very important decisions. Of course, we make daily decisions mm-hmm. every day that may not be, you know, as important um, as others. But when it comes down to making really, really major decisions, mm-hmm. we need to understand that no needs to be, be in the vocabulary because it may not be something that you're willing to take on. So, yeah, it, it's definitely a skill in decision making and it's necessary. It's very necessary. Now, I do have a question, and this is a question that I can't wait to hear your response. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Is there a certain way no should be said in order for it to be understood as no? Good question. Um, I think that depends on the person you're talking to. Mm. Um, It definitely does. Um, We know who we are, who we have relationships with. We know who we're talking to and we know how they typically respond. Some people you probably will have to uh, detail (laughs) a bit more. No, because. And um, I had um, some people I work with and um, she felt like she always had to explain. And then I had another person, we were all in a group and she felt like she didn't need to offer an explanation. So I think it definitely depends on who you are engaged with mm-hmm. at that moment. Um, if it is a person who is, you know, you know, you've probably struggled in the past with saying no, cause you have some people that know you won't say they won't take no for an answer. And I, those are very persistent, you know, people and a bit aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, so depending on the person that you're talking to, you may need to detail and you may need to be very assertive in that approach. No, because this and offer a rationale, you know, um, and then you may have some people who, you know, can get it like, no, and they can understand your situation and your reasons for saying no. Um, so I think it all depends on who you are engaged with at that time. And, you know, maybe if they give you any pushback and then you proceed with owning responsibility to your reasons for saying, no, mm-hmm. I 
whatever, you know, not you, but I own that ownership so they can know it's very individual and you're sincere um, about your approach and where you stand. Thank you for the explanation, because a lot of times I thought my no was just understood as no. Mm -hmm. And if I explained it, then I just explain it. But more than likely, I'm going to explain it because I don't. Again, um, I think I used my explanations as a reason to um, make myself feel better about my reasoning to say no. Mm -hmm. So. How do we make sure that that's not the case? We're explaining ourselves only to make ourselves feel better about saying no. Yeah, and I can understand how that can um, happen, especially in the early stages of or the beginning phases of owning that no and Mm -hmm. saying it. You know, sometimes we do have to do little things just to give ourselves confirmation or um, to make ourselves feel at ease about the decision that we made. But what's most importantly... um, is if you feel that you, explaining yourself kind of it, at some point weakens your response or it doesn't give you enough confidence in it, um, I always tell people, even my clients, go with what, what, what works for you. Mm. Um, and when I say what works for you, I'm looking at something that is healthy, um, something that's very meaningful. Um, so if you feel like you're responding and you're explaining to make yourself feel better, I think you need to ask yourself a question like, if, is this necessary? Am I doing this because possibly um, I feel guilty? You know, um, and if you do feel guilty, I think you got to come back and question yourself and you got to ask yourself those questions, kind of doing like a self-examination study, you know, kind of examine your reasons um, for kind of further explaining things. Um, and if it doesn't hold a valid, you know, place or response, like, I think it's okay. You just do what works for you. Um, in my situation, um, sometimes I know that I have to, even with clients, sometimes I have to say no, you know, because of the dependency sometimes in relationships. Um, and initially I kind of just evaluate how it played out. You know, if I were to say no in the beginning, um, and I kind of got some pushback and I had to explain myself and cause you know, you have people, you got to evaluate the relationships also because you have some people, they will go to the, to the lens to get what they want. You know, they want what they want and they mm-hmm. don't want to hear no or someone rejecting them of, mm. of anything. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so with that being said, evaluate how it, or examine how it went over the first time, you know, um, if the person got the point, if the point was not, you know, gone across well, um, but still just kind of follow through what works best for you. Um, sometimes I say no to different people and that's kind of it. And that's final um, because I know that relationship and I know in the past, you know, maybe when I've explained myself, it still wasn't a solid no, you know. Mm. So I kind of look at situations and I say, hey, do I need to tweak it? Do I need to do a little something different? But I definitely still want to stick with the core of the situation. And that's to get that point across. So that comes saying no really comes with a lot of self-awareness. Yeah, it does. A lot of self-awareness. Well, yeah, I mean, because at the end of the day, that's that's why you're saying no. Mm -hmm. You know, because you are self-aware that you don't want to do it or Mm -hmm. that you don't agree with it or that 
whatever that reasoning of that no is, that's why. why. Right. And so when you've reached that point, you've pretty much examined yourself. Mm. You, 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 you're, you were spot on hope. You have examined yourself. You know what you want to do. You know how it made you feel when you weren't able, you know, to be true to yourself or mm. say no. Um, so you're, you're there now you're ready to take action. So definitely self-awareness is key in any decision making, especially when you feel like something is not going to work for you or if something is going to work for you. I think it's just valuable to, you know, be aware of how you feel um, following situations. You know, some people, they're fine with it. Um, I can use my brother, for example, (laughs) probably should. But um, he says yes to everything, 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 everything. And I am the person in the corner that is always saying, no, no, why won't you say no? You got Mm -hmm. this to do. You got that to do. Mm -hmm. But when I think about his personality, he actually likes to help people, but Mm -hmm. he does not have a lot of awareness about how it affects him because, um, he goes from zero to 10. So if he, he wants you to appreciate anything that he does. And sometimes people are asking for favors, but they're not really, genuine they don't genuinely care Mm. how you do it they just want to receive it and so if you don't respond in a way where you're showing appreciation I think he gets a bit upset and I can understand Mm -hmm. because I would so for those people that you don't feel like they value you or they're not respecting your time or your effort or any energy that you're putting in to help them those are the people that you really have to use this examination and this evaluation with. Like, you know, am I going to get frustrated? Am I going to get aggressive if they don't respond in a way? Or should I not even engage in this situation altogether? Um, so I think, yeah, definitely. Um, I used him as an example. He won't mind. But um, <laughs> it just shows you how you have to really look at each situation like a case-by-case basis. Mm-hmm. And not only looking at the case, but looking it in within self, you know, um, can I really do this? Do I want to do this? How would it make me feel if I were to proceed with this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also really understanding the person that you are and not changing yourself for someone else. Mm-hmm. That's true. Because like you said, people can take kindness for granted, Mm -hmm. you know, and they can take that as a weakness as well. Mm -hmm. So it was really important for people who give themselves to others in a helpful way, in a meaningful way, not to change themselves because how someone is making them feel. Can we talk more about that? Yeah. Um, Really good point um, you made. One thing I want to emphasize on, especially is when you said not changing yourself. That is so important to me. That is so important to me. Not only from a personal standpoint, but professional as well. And I hope I don't <laughs> derail from the topic here um, because ahead. I think it kind of touched a, a spot for me. Uh, being true to yourself, I don't know. I don't think people really realize how great and important it is to actually be you. Like the uniqueness of you, um, your ability to just be you, craft it mm-hmm. the way you are. Um, I kind of, I think I probably have learned this best, um, from my grandmother. Um, you know, my grandmother will talk to people different levels. And when I say different levels, it will be, and it was, so I can use like church, for example, 
we will have like people um, in leadership positions um, on the regional basis of church that will have conversations or come and have meetings at our church. Um, and I would listen to the people. They would stand up. Their tone would change, mm. their posture, their demeanor. And I know sometimes we have to do those things so that we can appear important. My grandmother never changed the tone of her voice. She never pretended to sound any different. But her message came across so genuinely, so confidently that, you know, even the people who spoke loud, who were very articulate, mm. who were very poised. My grandmother, she's a country girl. She just stood <laughs> up and she was polite. Of course, she got great mannerism, but she made her point solid. And she never changed even her tone of her voice. And so sometimes I used to catch that within myself. Like in certain situations, I hear myself sounding different. I was like, and it made me feel weak. Like, you don't want to mm. be yourself. So I kind of pull back and I definitely kind of stay in tune with who I am because I can do things just comfortably in the best at me. And I think a lot of times we're not true to ourselves, even in, um, saying no you know we take and embark on things that we're we're definitely not um comfortable with and you don't have to be comfortable with everything because sometimes it's good to get uncomfortable but sometimes we definitely step outside of self and we're not allowing ourselves to genuinely be who we are mm. if we're sensitive about things if things become a bit overwhelming for us it is okay to be your true self and say hey i got i got limits here Cause this is how I feel. Um, and regardless of what people say and how they respond to you, you definitely should feel comfortable with who you are because that, I think when you are who you are, um, and you truly value that 100%, that's your greatest. You're going to be the greatest and the best. Um, a lot of times when we try to conform mm. or we try to find groups because that's what we were taught mm -hmm. you know make sure you fit in mm. or make sure you look like the other kids what about yourself I think we don't ask that question enough even to our kids who are you what things do you like mm -hmm. I even have to kind of challenge myself with my son sometimes I see him doing stuff I was like crap I didn't do any of that and I was like what is he doing you know and I was like you know, and, and I had to think to myself, this is him. This is his mm -hmm. personality. These are his interests. These are his strengths. And I think we need to really start building on those things so that now, even before we become adults, um, children are comfortable with being themselves. Mm. They are okay with being themselves. Um, you don't have to change anything about yourself. Just be your best self. Mm -hmm. um, that's I think that's really is mo the most important thing. And even for my adults. Um, who have already developed into that. Right. And we're going to still be finding ourselves throughout the course of life. Mm -hmm. But always like back to the self-evaluation piece and that self-examination. Ask yourself those questions about yourself so that you can make sure you're making the decisions that benefit you and decisions that you're most comfortable with. And even if you do decide to get uncomfortable, let that be your choice. Let that be something that you want to pursue and not something that's pushed so that you can appreciate the process. Yeah. Wow. I'm also glad that you just said about how we really have to own who we are beyond this box that we've been placed in mm -hmm. all our lives mm -hmm. in a sense, because, you know, when I think about it, 
starting out in school we wore uniforms we had to look like this we had to act this way we had to walk in in this line mm-hmm. and how it starts early mm-hmm. it definitely and so when early. the older you get it's harder to break because of the habits that's been kept yeah and that's been happening mm-hmm. for a very long time so do you also think that that's why it's you know harder as adults um to kind of break that habit I definitely think so anything that has been taught through development anything that has been practiced over time anything that is repetitive anything that is pretty much designed to keep you in this format it definitely mm-hmm. would be a challenge um now I'm not saying go break rules now. <laughs> you know, yeah you gotta, we are not you gotta saying go to, to your break job rules. you know they tell you don't wear these <laughs> big long earrings I need they wrote it down it's the policy this is their business but I'm saying within from a emotional and a psychological standpoint that is right. what I'm speaking of and me too um yeah <laughs> right <laughs> um, um but definitely as an adult um if you if you have been groomed in this direction it will definitely cause it cause some challenges um and I think it's okay because we all have um I but when we arrive to that place where we're really starting to self-evaluate I think we're on to something really re- beautiful then mm-hmm. um I see um a lot, you know, just even in adults and just the way and a lot of their stories are historical ones. It's because I was taught this way. Um, childhood development definitely affects the decisions that you make uh, in your life, the people around you, your environment, all of those things to consider. But even in the midst of it, even if it's chaotic, it's still self, you know. But I think we have to think outside of self sometimes to evaluate, you know, who we are. Because sometimes we can be a part of an environment and we can just kind of conform to the things just so naturally and habitual that we really don't ask ourselves, like, why am I doing this? We're kind of doing it because we're accustomed to it. Um, so, yeah, I think um, I think it's definitely challenging. I think anything is challenging, mm-hmm. even changing your mind from something that you have routinely done mm-hmm. um, for weeks and months is challenging. But persistence, um, practice, practice, that's it. We just have to practice it. We have to start. We have to initiate it. We're not going to get it right every time. Sometimes we may conform and we question ourselves but if we kind of keep it in the forefront say hey is this really what I want to do we just keep practicing and the more we practice especially from a mental internal and psychological standpoint it becomes second nature mm-hmm. anything can be trained um, just with the whole mental health and just the whole uh, cognitive process, it takes a little more effort mm-hmm. because physically we can do things and we can see the results. Mm-hmm. You know, you can see it. You can, um, but internally you have to really, really sit with stuff to actually um, feel the changes and to know that the changes are being made. So um, definitely practice and it's not going to happen overnight and you won't do it right every time. But once you start something that becomes a, part of you and you keep finding evidence to build on it because that's what the brain does if Mm. that's what it does once you plant that seed it's going to keep yearning for something in that area yourself so I think yeah definitely it'll be a challenge but if we put any effort into practicing yeah we can definitely turn things around or we can just become who we want to be Mm. 
And then we'll feel so much better. And we'll less stress. Mm -hmm. um, um, feel like, you know, you won't feel like you're in competition mm. or you're in performance all the time. You know, you can just kind of, you know, naturally be you. Mm. And if you take like a poll and just look around at the people who you think are naturally being themselves, like you've known these people, you've had relationships with them over time and you see them kind of respond in certain ways. And like, this is, she's consistent. This is how she is. Um, it look, just look at that person and see, do you find any, do they seem like a genuinely happy person? Do they feel less stressed? Just kind of evaluate the way they respond to things. And that can kind of be evidence, you know, like I see this person, this is a prime example of a person who's true to themselves and just how they operate and they respond in different, in various ways. Um, and just seeing the outcome of that. And once we see things and, you know, we can kind of document that progress, it kind of urges us to get out there and make those changes. Yes. Yes. That is so true because I, you know, when you were saying like really analyze basically the circle that's around you and determine if, or, you know, try to scope out someone who is being intentional, especially with their nose, um, to really, you know, look at them mm -hmm. and, and, and ask yourself how and why, or ask them how mm -hmm. and why. Right. Um, because the person that comes to my mind is my sister. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, my sister, she is very adamant about saying no, but I, 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 I know the reason is it hadn't always been that way, uh -huh. but I know like the reason is because she knows who she is. Yeah. Like she has, like her self-awareness is up here. It's okay. Just, it's kind of like, wow. We love it. Ooh, yeah. It pushes me. It does. Cause it's like, wow. Like she just did that and <laughs> she feels good. <laughs> you know, they tell me all the time, hope you overthink too much or why are you even doing that? And, and that's not even, you know, what you want to do. And yeah. so to have people like her, um, especially uh, in my corner, uh, it's really, really just like, okay, yes, I, I, I can do this. Like, yeah. because she's doing it. Right. Because like you said, it can, it can be a challenge. Mm -hmm. It can be a challenge. But like you said, practice, practice, practice. To everyone who's listening at this very moment, I challenge the next time that you want to say no, self-evaluate, don't rush into it. And then once you've decided to say no with your self-evaluation, say no but also if that person needs an explanation give it to him is that right dr parks yeah, I, yeah definitely um depending on the person right talk, like i say everything done isn't across the board but depending mm -hmm. on who you're talking to or the relationship that you have with the person whatever feels good for you um do it and, and and do it to the point where you know you making sure that you're getting that point across that's the ultimate goal i think we just got to keep that um in the forefront what mm -hmm. what is the goal you know and that's where we want to get to so right good job Hope. <laughs> <laughs> i was trying to tie everything that you, you were saying it, together um i i did read this article and this is more so about rejection because how we have no for self-care we also have no um which means, you know, rejection. Mm -hmm. um, so I was reading this article and it said that men tend to take rejection as a challenge to their masculinity or an insult to their pride. And women are likely to feel emotionally hurt 
by rejection and to assume that there is something lacking in them Mm. that caused the rejection or blame the person who did the rejecting, but use self-soothing to get over the insult rather than lashing out as males do. Now, this was an article. These are not my words. (laughs) (laughs) But how does rejection affect each gender differently? I really want to get your perspective on that statement. Yeah. Um, I got to kind of go back to, it depends on the person. Um, Mm -hmm. Believe it or not, I've had some males who have questioned some things that they have done or, you know, even question things about themselves or try to just go back and find where it, you know, dropped off or where the red flags or what issues happen. But it's very, it's a very small percentage of them. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that article was kind of spot on. I'm kind of curious who they researched (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and kind of just what uh, community population is that they research, you know, Mm. were these relationship people, were these people who just got out of relationship Um, and all that is important, but that's not necessarily uh, for this. Mm -hmm. Um, But definitely I've seen a very small percentage of men who kind of question more so women, you know, we always, and I know I can, I can speak from a woman also, you know, just from personal things, you know, sometimes you, we, we do, we are, we tend to self-evaluate. We kind of look over, where did I go wrong? Mm. Um, And I've, I've seen women too, definitely in my professional um, environment to become very emotional, um, very emotional about things. I also see women seeking help and seeking support, which is what I love. Now, on the other hand, men oftentimes, um, I've seen, this has been, this last year during this pandemic, I think I've had the most men clients Hmm. than I've had in a while. And that really uh, surprised me. Uh, But men, for some reason, I think they will, sometimes they will silently seek you know, uh, support uh, with women. It's a group of us, you know, everybody mm. knows what's going on. We're, we're talking about it. We're chatting about it. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't mind saying, Hey, I'm hurt. You know, um, just, I've been rejected or something happened along the line in this relationship. We will display a lot of it. And it's a lot of research that speaks to women actually acknowledging issues. That's kind of why when you look at studies in mental health, women are more prone to depression than men, more prone to anxiety. And I think it's because we actually, when we do those assessments and the intakes, we are truthful. Mm. We tell the truth. And I think that's a, that's a good spot um, to start definitely being honest and aware. Um, but I definitely know that women are, uh, from my uh, personal um, viewpoint, mm-hmm. are more emotional about things. They do tend to um, kind of look within self and then they try to proceed to get the support that they need. I've seen men to be very, one, a quick approach, like just a quick fix. Um, they will often get into relationships or find relationships quickly, mm-hmm. not necessarily um, value relationships, uh, but they will do something because they want a distraction. They want quick distraction. And I know all, oftentimes we all want to be distracted of our pain, Um but I I see this within them, just with from my personal mm-hmm. um, and professional um, 
experience i see that they want a quick fix so whatever a quick fix can look like to them whether it's engaging in another relationship or is you know kind of taking up another hobby or working more they want a distraction women we sit with it for a while you know mm-hmm. I, it's mm-hmm. kind of torture we torture mm-hmm. ourselves we <laughs> sit with it for a while i think if we had the blend of them both uh, you know i think it'd be a great <laughs> approach if we can yeah. just take from both genders, you know, um, a skill set and combine, I think it'll be a great approach. Uh, but ultimately, um, I know rejection is hard for anyone mm-hmm. and I can't, I do not, um, never, never will, you know, we be judgmental of how people approach to deal with their pain, you know, because in the midst of it, you know, whether you're reject, rejected in a re- relationship, uh, you know, a job or offer or anything that's significant to you um it definitely you know you 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 feel it internally Mm -hmm. um so the response is very different um but overall yeah I have I can agree with that article of I've seen that and I've seen men to just kind of want a quick fix you know want they don't want to deal with what they're experiencing Mm -hmm. they don't want to sit with it long women Mm -hmm. They talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, they talk about it. They can keep talking about it. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it has shown um, proof and evidence that they are affected differently or they demonstrate different actions from being affected. How important is it to not linger in that rejection? Yeah, so I think um, it's important to not linger linger um I know you're gonna sit with it for some time Mm -hmm. you know it's a process of course because you're gonna question yourself and I never want to rush anyone with their process Mm, um yeah you're definitely gonna question you're gonna you know kind of process things over you're gonna you're gonna go back but I always bring it back to the middle your approach currently because I know we're going to take some time just like grief you know mm-hmm. um it's going to be a process um but I kind of always like to bring it back to what if what you're doing is helping you is it making you healthy um is it making you are you progressing are you pro- positively forwardly progressing um and I think that's what we have to kind of call attention to ourselves if we are lingering on a thought of something that has happened and it is out of our control there is nothing that we can do about it and it's worsening us you know it's causing us to worsen or you know feel low or even you know lower than what we were it's not good Mm -hmm. it's not good because the goal is to feel better to go the goal is to feel healthier um and if we're having these negative thoughts and they're not contributing to our positive growth, we got to do something about it. Mm. So that's where the linger probably has to come to a cutoff. Mm-hmm. And that's where the practice comes in, you know, mm-hmm. kind of what we talked about before. Right. Implementing practice skills, trying, even if we derail, do it again because we've kind of planted that seed. Mm. So, yeah, that's important um, to not allow anything to linger if it's not if it's worsening you now, if you're processing it out and you're kind of gathering your thoughts, because initially you're going to process what happened and mm-hmm. you're going to kind of formulate, you know, that conc- conclusion. And you're going to say, Hey, um, you know, this is where I stand. 
But if you keep kind of backtracking and going to those thoughts, that's not doing you any good and probably causing more harm. That's when we got to do a cutoff point or at least try. Yeah. And I like how you said, even if we derail, okay, start again. Um, yeah, even if you derail, mm-hmm. um, and I say this because we're, this is humanistic yeah, behavior. Yeah. We're not going to be consistent fully. Perfect. We're not going, we're, we're not, mm-hmm. um, we're not going to be our best at every time. And we're going to have thoughts because this brain holds a lot, you know, it, it stores a lot of information, experiences, thoughts, um, everything. So you're going to, possibly have a hiccup you know Mm -hmm. where you kind of go back maybe you know some people may not um but you could this is a possibility so we look at things from a realistic viewpoint um and if you could if you pass if you can if you derail or you get off track some and um just kind of know it's okay that's normal that's what people do uh, before you got to be you and everything that you know, you didn't do it consistently greatly the first, second, third, fourth time around. Allow yourself room. Uh, I don't think we do that enough. And mm-hmm. I think we really need to acknowledge that even if I start this process, I may not be great throughout the entire time. I may be mediocre. I may, you know, even go below at some point in time. But what is the the primary goal? Mm-hmm. Kind of bring it back to the core. Uh, I can get back on it because it's still there. Yeah. Yeah. So how can people use rejection as an opportunity to learn and grow? Definitely. I think every experience that we have is, is a teachable moment. You know, I def I do. Um, even if it's something very unfavorable, it is a teachable moment. Um, we're unable to see that sometimes because, you know, that re- rejection creates a lot of pain, internal pain. You almost can feel it like physical pain. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> I, I think that um, we have to realize that, um, you know, if if this is any, anything that has happened, any experience that has happened, I, I, I kind of challenge a lot of my clients with this. Pull out something that you learn from. It. You definitely learn something from it. Um, and whatever you learn, that's kind of, that's adding to your toolbox. That's an experience that's, that's helping, that's shaping you. That's adding skin, that's adding layer. Um, and we can look at each situation, whether it was the most horrific situation we've ever been in or the greatest, and we learned something from it. So I kind of pose that as looking at ways to learn from things that are not so favorable. Mm -hmm. Um, What did you learn from it? And if it is something, whatever you learn from it, that goes in a toolbox. That's a part of you. That's a part of your growth. Um, And know that these things are going to happen. Sometimes my life, it goes so well. I said, man, I'm I'm ready for something to happen because it's just, I'm just doing (laughs) too too good. good. Like I'm going to stomp my toe. I'm going to do something. (laughs) Something's going to hurt me. Um, and I hate that we have to look at things like that, but we have to always kind of sit in the middle sometimes mm-hmm. to know that some things are going to happen. They may not be as favorable. There, it may not be something that we really um, want it to happen, but in the midst of it, you know, we can learn something from it, whether to not do it again or to not get involved in situations like that mm-hmm. again, or it could teach you something positive, you know, in decisions, you know, in taking your time on things. So, 
Um, just look at look at the situation and find out something that you learn from it, um, and let that be a um, just kind of a factor in growing um, from something that's not as favorable. Yeah. Wow. All of that is so so important, and this is actually my last question. Okay. Um, how do we release? And I don't know if this ties into even what we're talking about, but it just it just weighed heavy on me. Okay. <laughs> okay. So how do we release that need or that desire to be in control of situations that sometimes we don't even need to be in control of? Like, it's okay that we're not in control. Right, right. And I think this kind of goes to... Um, not being able to govern everything. I know everybody's experiences are definitely different. Um, even the person that thinks they're controlling is not controlling everything. You're just not. And um, I think it's so important to release that thought that we have to control um, so much in our lives Um because it will cause anxiety. It will definitely increase anxiousness um, and just that ability to try to govern everything around you. And a lot of times it's just not possible. It is not possible. Um, we do have abilities to control some things in our lives, but everything, um, we don't have that ability to. Some things happen by chance. Um and I think we need to sit with that, that some some things may happen and that we may not like or we may not want to happen. But how are we going to work through it? Mm-hmm. Um, I think we forget that sometimes. And I see this a lot with people um, who have anxiety. You know, they don't do this because or they won't do that or they're going to go at this time. You know, just say like a person with weather anxiety, you know, they won't get out and go get some, something that they really, really need in a, a, a storm. And I don't want to get out in the storm either, but I'm just using this example. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> they say, okay, look at the weather. I'm going to go at two o'clock because it's not going to be raining at two o'clock. By chance, you get in your car, <laughs> 201 is raining. You know, mm-hmm. yo, 202, you made it to the store. So some things are not going to be in our reach to control at all times. But I, we have to ask ourselves, how can we work through this? Mm-hmm. And I think when we realize that we don't control everything and we're just going to work through the things that actually happen, it, it makes it creates a skill for us. It's, it makes us more um, just well-rounded to mm-hmm. deal with situations mm-hmm. um, for everybody. Um, I think you really, really need to know that you don't have to control everything in your life. Everything is not going to be um, in order like you want it to be. Some things are going to happen. And I've seen people that have done everything. They have made the best decisions and still they have some unfortunate circumstance. Mm. Um, and, and you can't beat yourself up. You can't, you know, criticize yourself about something that was out of your control. So I always encourage clients just to ask themselves, you know, was I able to control that? Hmm. Even if you did attempt to control, if you did your very best, that's credit. 
Um, you cannot govern everything that happens, but more so importantly, learn how to work through the things when they happen. That sharpens you, that prepares you, you know, that, that kind of gets you in a space where you're able to deal with things. And in life, we're going to have to deal with a lot of things. And that's the thing. We're not putting up barriers. We're not cutting corners. We're, we're dealing with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so releasing the ability to want to control everything and when things do happen learn how to work through them yeah that goes the same way with saying no right 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 it does let's let's work through this process Mm -hmm. and being assertive to say no or to you know evaluate who we are Mm -hmm. you know so that we can do the things that makes us feel healthy um at least make us feel comfortable and things that we're satisfied and we're okay with after we do it. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Dr. Parks, for really taking the time to talk about this much needed conversation of saying no and how to set those boundaries and if we should have given explanation to a person and just really being one confident. Mm-hmm comfortable Mm -hmm. allowing ourselves to be who we are Mm -hmm. right so i just really want to say thank you thank you thank you you've shared so many gems that i know everyone who's listening right now will take with them because i say this every time if you just take one thing away from this episode i will be on cloud nine (laughs) (laughs) but i I know i know you have taken so much more from this episode than just one thing i (laughs) I know i have and like i said thank you thank you thank you and i just really appreciate you no problem anytime hope (laughs) i'll see y'all in the next episode of take a seat in the meantime be blessed y'all